All right, here we are, Viking Valhalla show, once again from Broomfield, Colorado, third installment, having an equipment problem today, learning technology, Vikings are bad with technology. <laughs> Shane LeMaster is in the house. Shane LeMaster, a psychotherapist, licensed substance abuse clinician, uh, psych- psychedelic integration, integration therapist. therapist, and then a certified mental performance consultant. That's pretty awesome. So just to give you guys kind of a a note on Shane and how I know him is Shane was one of my students early on in the ball and chain days of <clears throat> of Fusebox back in the Morningstar right. times. And uh, Shane uh, has had some matches with us, did, did a good job in the grappling circuit and was one of the primary students in the Fusebox facility and uh and has been a good friend of mine throughout the years been around we've been been through some shit together so i'm going to give you a second here shane just kind of let you go and and talk about you for a moment what you're doing and maybe dive into how this gets into the concept of today's topic which is the modern modern Viking warrior. Shane has a little bit of a deeper run on the warriorism thing than I do as where I stay slightly isolated to the Viking concept. That's where I identify the most with and Shane has a little bit different view on that and that's great. So we're just going to kind of just roll with it and see what the fuck happens today, man. So nice. I'm going to let you take a little bit and go. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Um, hello to all those podcast listeners out there listening. Um, so, yeah, Sully mentioned some of my professional credentials. Um, but, you know, I think what's more important to talk about today is, you know, a little bit about, you know, who I am in my personal life. And, um, you know, Sully, you have really helped to instill, you know, that, that warrior mindset in me back in the day, um, which, you know, fueled my passions to get into grad, graduate school and study the mind and, it's really been a passion of mine to study the mind and consciousness and how can we optimize um, our physical and mental performance, um, how can we transcend some of our um, cultural, um, you know, ingrained behaviors and, and thought patterns and overcome those to become, you know, um, either the physical warriors or the spiritual warriors that, that I feel um, we were meant to be. Um, so as far as who I am, you know, you know, I'm a Buddhist. Um, uh, lifetime martial artist of many different styles, um, you know, currently um, up in Fort Collins. But, yeah, my business, uh, Mind Ops, um, which any of your podcast listeners can find at www.mind-ops.com, so mindops.com. Um, and we really are trying to, or what I'm trying to do um, with my work and with my personal life is um, expand human consciousness beyond the limits that we've set for ourselves, um, really teach people that they are, um, they have much more potentiality than they think they do, and um, <coughs> really try and, you know, turn us all into spiritual warriors to transcend this physical uh, limitation, this meat body that we, that we, that we take part in every day. Right, all right. <coughs> Man, I'm eating cake as Shane is fasting. I'm fasting on a fat guy diet, and I'm dying. It's like whenever I start recording, I immediately start choking on something. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so the modern warriorism, or the modern warrior, the modern, uh, the modern Viking, and I was I was speaking today a little bit about that because um, Paul Logan is helping me out with some filming uh, that's going to be coming up in in this is the podcast version. What you would think would be more simplistic, but it's not. I mean, we have to actually get equipment to do this mm-hmm. and build out a room. But the filming is even more complex because we're going to be doing um, what it takes to... <clears throat> I think men are lonely. I, I think that they feel like they have no sense of community. I think they have difficult, uh, a difficult time accepting community. Mm-hmm. Um, difficult time accepting that there's weakness or vulnerability. And... <clears throat> It's a little bit our own fault that we, I think it's a little bit our, our own fault that we experience this loneliness, but uh, I want to eventually get a place built up to where it can be kind of a, <clears throat> a safe sanctuary for men to do <coughs> basically everything that the college students are rioting against right now. Mm. Gender specific things. Can women show up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Don't have a problem with that. Can you show up and complain? No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. So this is is the safe place, right? And it's weird that I'm saying that as as a Viking enthusiast, but we're not allowed to react like we once were. Yeah. I think we're we're limited by a lot of social social constructs these days. Right. Yeah, I see it on the internet, man. I see, like, I have young people that were saying that we need to gather together to fight against Nazis. Yeah. You know, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Where are these Nazis at, right? And like, I, I'll, I'll fight them right now. <laughs> and one of the girls gets on and goes, no, this isn't about starting a war. I'm like, no, it isn't about starting a war because they don't actually exist. What you're dealing with is neo-Nazis, which is near Nazi in ideology. And these are just assholes. <clears throat> These are just assholes playing the veil from a government that was extinguished in the 40s. And uh, I don't want to give any kind of uh, credence to these people. So I, I don't know that getting out and fighting them is the, or complaining about them is the answer. Because I think we wouldn't even know about them if, if it wasn't for <clears throat> people complaining right. about the five of them that are in Longmont or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my... Uh, my experience with that is one of the kids gets on and starts calling calling names. And where I come from, which is the 1980s, if you call somebody a name, it's it's a fight. Mm-hmm. So there was still that part of part of the culture was still present when you were a kid. Yeah. It was it was still somewhat present when I was a kid. I was a couple decades later than that, but um a couple decades. How yeah. old do you think you are? It's yeah. decades, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, you're a couple decades older than me. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, people still threw down and fought, but it was rare. Um, not not as rare as the stories I've heard you tell. And when we would throw down, it was not even, you know, not even about the fight. It was about, you know, saving face in front of other people, um, you know, and, and nothing was nothing was solved um, through that. Um, even today, um, you know, I see even even less um, fighting like that, the old style, right? It's more fighting online, um, you know, behind a keyboard, 
um, bullying or, or whatever, and um, you know we see the effects of that. In, I feel in like that's significantly worse. Sure. Oh yeah. I mean, there's no consequences. Yeah. I I look at what kids go through, and there was uh, so Lee Thompson in Colorado Springs. I don't know if you heard what happened to him. No, I didn't. So Lee Thompson in Colorado Springs, he had to just bang um, organization to tie boxing, kickboxing. There's no. By the way, so I'm a gym owner. You're a martial artist. I just want to throw this out there and people coming in like, I want to do Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's no fucking Muay Thai in America. There are no Muay Thai competitions in America. There's kickboxing. Mm. You show me where they're throwing elbows and knees. Yeah. In, and I'll tell you, all right, we've, we've got ourselves a Muay Thai fight. But if you're here in Colorado and you're training Muay Thai... You're training Muay Thai to do a kickboxing match. You're not even allowed as an amateur to do clinch anymore. With padding and everything. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's not Muay Thai. And um, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty strict on word meanings in intention. Hopefully, I'm not misdefining uh, things, and I'm and I'm right on what I'm thinking. But I think word meaning is is exceptionally important. Like we just said, Nazi. Nazi is. It's 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 broad and it's starting to stretch over anybody that disagrees with a certain group of people. Right. Right. And so that's that can't be right. Um in any cases, Lee had this this program and from what I understand of what happened, he had a young girl knocking on the door of fifteen or something in his school. He ended up developing an inappropriate relationship with her and um one thing led to another. Um they had uh relations and the uh when it came to the police's attention, the girl changed her mind on the willingness of it and said it was forced. Mm-hmm. And so he was looking at <clears throat> some crazy number, which I'm not entirely sure that I stand beside on cases like this of uh, consensual, um, oh, I don't even know, what it, like inappropriate relationships that are that are consensual like that. Right. Uh, I don't know if he needs to be running a school with kids in it anymore sure um but i don't i don't know if you need to die in jail right um she didn't die in life Mm -hmm. and she would have been fine maybe you owe her you know like a couple years worth of tuition in college or something and you have to be away from people and you go work oil fields or something i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know the answers but i know that this country is like super big on just throwing everybody in jail yeah. And well, it's an industry. It's an industry. It's, yeah. It's it's yeah. that's Private a whole prisons are, are horrible. Whole another topic, yeah. right? It's like right. everybody's in jail over here, and it, it's here's how I actually see it. And this is a little off topic from what we're talking about, but I feel like in America, your natural and it's starting to turn into a world thing. Your natural resting condition, your natural place of living, is a prison cell, and you pay the government to stay out of that cell. On a quarterly or yearly basis. I agree. Yeah. And if you don't, if you fucking don't believe me, don't pay him. See what yeah. happens. Yeah. They got to sell for you. And uh, so I, I think that's a incredibly depressing way of looking at things. And since you're a psychologist, I think this is a good way to like there's I have some friends that are like really hardcore right side. Like, I've got guns and nobody's going to take my freedoms away. And my view is, well, sure they will. You you're not stopping anybody. We're not apples and apples. We're not lining up with muskets and 
Like we had 14 guys and the government has 14 guys and we're just going to shoot at each other in the middle of an open park and decide who wins. I mean, we're going to lose. So the government's too big, too strong, too, too settled. It's, it's just too much. So you're going to have to conform and you're going to have to do well. And so I think that's part of modern, modern Viking is, I mean, you got to know when to pick your battles. Yeah. Or at least, um, make it appear like you're conforming, um, so that you can protect yourself while, you know, um, Maybe not in your ideology conform to to the the larger social. That sounds pretty deep. What do you mean? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, for me personally, I I don't uh, in general conform to social norms. You know, I'm all tatted up. Um, you know, which is becoming more of a norm. Um, but I wear my hair in a in a Japanese top knot. Um, you know, I don't conform to these social norms in my private life, and I love that. But in order to function in this society, um, in order to get ahead so that I can influence um, the culture in the way that I, that I feel I need to, um, you know, I have to conform to some sense. So I have to go work a nine to five, I have to, you know, dress in slacks and a button down shirt to do therapy and I have to put on this professional mask in order to make a living and influence people, you know, on the level of their consciousness. Um, and hopefully that ripple effect will continue to spread beyond just the person sitting in front of me, but they'll go tell their friends and they'll go tell their friends. You know, I have dreams of, of getting into, um, legislative processes in the future, um, to change things on a gr much grander scale. Um, you know, because we are, our culture is sick. Our culture is very sick. Um, and I feel, you think we have a culture? And we're, we're stepping do. way away from what I was going to talk about on Lee, yeah. and I'd like to come back to that, and I'm starting yeah. to forget why I even brought it up. <laughs> but since you, you touched on that cultural thing, do you, I've been telling people for a long time, I think that the reason this country struggles so greatly with an identification is that we have this kind of a rolling blackout of moral consciousness. Yes. And we don't really have a culture. It just keeps changing based upon internet algorithms and who gets the most most Facebook hits or the most uh, Instagram hits or um, who search engines will allow to the top so that information actually surfaces. Because a lot of information that we're dealing with and that we're basing modern culture, um, cultural ideologies on is, is actually half-truths. It's not, it's not the whole story. Sure. And so, what's your view on that? Do you think, you know, I don't know if you thought about this before, but do you, do you feel like we actually have a culture? I do. I feel like America has its own culture. Um, but like you said, it's always evolving, um, you know, and unfortunately the state of our culture is, you know, uh, online-based and not too much face-to-face -face contact with even our neighbors and even our family, um, you know. Um, but, you know, what culture isn't always evolving? You know, I've been to countries overseas and, and spent time with, um, you know, tribes that have maintained the majority of their culture for thousands of years. But, you know, you walk into some of these, um, these uh, villages in, you know, the outskirts of Thailand where they're still making all their clothes, living in huts and stuff. But one of the kids runs up to you and he's wearing a shirt that says Colorado on it, hmm. you know? And... Um, so they're, they still maintain their culture, but it still evolves with time, you know, and I feel like we have our own culture. You know, if, if, you, if I hear from people from other countries, they look at us and they're like, yeah, that's American culture. Uh, we're, 
you know, we're classified as gluttonous, gluttonous, um, you know, um, unhealthy, um, egotistic, egocentric, um, but we do have a culture. And unfortunately, I think that our culture is um, not a very, we're not operating at a high level of consciousness. We're, we're operating at a very uh, primal uh, level still. You know, I have a, I have a, th- I have a theory. When people talk about somebody else being argumentative or difficult or opinionated or egotistical, or, or whatever, whatever word comes to mind, I feel like that can there can only be conflict with the idea. So Americans are egotistical. Sure. You'd have to be egotistical to believe we're egotistical. Right. Right. So the reason we would be egotistical is because we're butting heads on concepts. And you're like, I ran into, I didn't run across it much in, in Europe. They were pretty, they were pretty low key. Um, most of the Dutch were really super cool. But uh, there was a night in the locker room of Taboda kickboxing where two Dutch people said, What do you think of your new president? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. He's been in office for two weeks and I'm in Holland. I have I have nothing to do with this. Sure. And they said, well, why are you so racist that you want to build a wall? And I, and I said, uh, well, I don't. I don't know how does that make me racist and they said well because it's di- it's a one color of person you're holding out and I said, well that just happens to be the color of people that are on the other side of the wall if they were if Mexico was all white with the same issues we'd be having the same issues it's nobody nobody in their right mind today would say something like their skin tone bothers me right right it's their culture might we may be having a clash of cultures um, that that isn't integrating well in certain areas. And it's not everybody. It's, it's, it's typically what I call a three percentile. Like you have that three percent that are ultra successful. And you have that three percent are ultra criminals, right? And then you have this three percent that are like super sexy. And you have this three percent that are just super ugly. And, and I just kind of roll everything in these three percentiles. And so I'm like, what three percent are we trying to hold out? And unfortunately, everybody has to be part of that because there's no way to to build a, a filter. Right. So um, my response to them was the American culture isn't like Dutch culture. So everybody in Holland that is Dutch looks the same. And I'm sitting in a room filled with white people and I can't tell them apart. Mm-hmm. And that was weird because they're all super tall. They're all gangly and they're... They all share almost identical facial facial characteristics. The voices are the same. The language is the same and indistinguishable to me. So uh, that was a an interesting thing, and it was an interesting level of arrogance to come from a non-blending culture. Hmm. You're not a melting pot, and you're you're taking your monoculture and you're you're applying your ideologies of your monoculture to the melting pot so like let, let's go back in let's look at what you guys did in Africa if, if we're gonna roll up okay. racism I mean you guys were not cool to the African people and uh, Dutch Bora 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 I believe was what they were mm-hmm. and uh, can you mind looking that one up is it the Dutch Bora Bora um, taking over African lands but 
these topics get left out in this. And when we're talking about the cultural the cultural ideology in that, I, I felt like I always felt like America really didn't have a culture because we can take what you and I perceive to be a, a normalcy and then we can go into the inner city of Chicago. Sure. And now we don't we might as well be in a different country. Sure. Well I think even you know, I think America has a larger culture, but there's definitely subcultures within that and countercultures and things like that. So, you know, front range culture, you mm-hmm. know, Broomfield, Boulder, Fort Collins, much different than inner city Chicago culture. But we're still part of this larger American culture. We all still watch a lot of the same T V shows. We're still influenced by the same people. We still eat we probably eat the same food found in our grocery stores. Um so those are all cultural components, but you're right. You know, I don't have to, if I don't want to, um, walk down the street with a gun because I fear for my life. You know, I do carry a gun because I like to, you know, I like to feel like I have some um, added control over my life uh, and when that will be taken from me. Um, but we do have, you know, we do have subcultures and countercultures, cultures that are operating, you know, um, Invisibly underneath the surface that a lot of people don't see um, so that that piece about you know um, that I'm a psychedelic intervention uh, therapist or uh, integration therapist um, you know that's an, an entire subculture in and of itself you know and that's that's a whole new warrior culture uh, the psychedelic warrior people who are going into their innermost depths to figure out who they are not only as a person but who they are in relation to the cosmos in relation to the earth um, and what sort of changes can we start to you know start to make to evolve into higher states of consciousness as a species okay um, <clears throat> got some a question coming in from, from Kaiden the uh, the Dutch what Dutch were in uh, were in Africa? I should know this. Marlborough is an island in the French Peninsula, or Polynesia. French Polynesia. Um, look up uh, who the Dutch versus the uh, Zulu. Find out who those what those Dutch called themselves. <clears throat> so that's 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 a good point. Um, I'm a I'm not really a gun guy. I'm a little bit a gun guy, but I'm more of a Western enthusiast of guns. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not into the military-grade weaponry too much. I'm not against anybody having it. I'm not opposed to... Um, I'm not... Uh, significantly, if I had to make a decision when I'm going to get shot by a 1800s elk rifle or a modern 223, it doesn't really matter. Right? Sure. It's, it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a bad hole. And... Uh, so to me, I, I don't care about the casing issue that's going on in the culture. I don't, I don't entirely understand how a weapon designed in like 1959 all of a sudden became such a significant issue in American culture. And how a kid in Texas goes down with an old shotgun and a six-shooter and dead, deadens 10 people. And it's almost like it doesn't matter. And then the media actually gave, con, like gave him kudos for not using a more lethal weapon. I don't know, hmm. whatever that means. Hmm. And... Uh, they act as if you can't reload quickly, right? Which is which is nuts. I, I I feel like the people that are making the rules on what happens in America, or as far as information flow, are maybe unaware of physical realities, almost completely ignorant. Right, and that's what's angering to me. Yeah, you know, 
Like the what does they say? The two two three round is the most deadly round known to man, or something that was going around. Like, and I remember, I was like, you know, when I was in the army, the, we were mostly complaining because these are non lethal rounds, mm-hmm. and that's what they're yeah. called. They maim. Yeah, they don't kill. Right, and uh, more often than not. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they're non lethal rounds is where, like, hopefully nobody gets up into a bell tower with a three hundred Winchester. Sure. You know, and goes through a motor block in a building and then goes through like six or seven people. Um, Dutch. So, when I, I just brought up Lee Thompson. Do you remember why I did that? You were talking about his, um, his relationship with that young right? fighter um, and having to spend so much time in jail for something that was consensual, mm-hmm. um, but later... She, you know, she flip-flopped on it. Right. Um, well, I wonder what I brought that up. There must no. have been some... But it brought back some, some <laughs> bad memories for me in my profession, too. What's that? You know, just, uh, you know, I used to work at a residential treatment facility in Aurora, and um, it was for troubled adolescent females. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's a dangerous place to work. Oh, totally, yeah. Like, I wouldn't even do it. Yeah, it, it was scary, but that was my introduction to the mental health field. Wow. I'm um, glad, glad that I chose that because I got to see, you know, a lot of the worst of, of the worst scenarios that, that I think I could see. Um, but in this case, you know, um, a female a client there accused me of um, sexually perpetrating on her. And, um, you know, I got um, put on administrative paid leave, um, full investigation by the agency as well as the, the county sheriff. Wow. Um, the investigation took four or five weeks. I was feeling like I was going to lose my, lose my job and my future profession. Um, but it was non-founded. Um, and she actually got in a lot of trouble for false falsely accusing she had a history of this um but my mentor at the time my psychological mentor at the time um when I told him this story you know I was in tears and I was like what do I do you know my career is just getting started and it's going to be ruined forever and he just laughed at me and I was like what are you what are you doing uh and he said you know Shane I'm really glad that you got to go through this experience because um the rest of your career should be a breeze you know, you, you, we almost, he said, we almost all in this field, um, deal with some sort of false, false accusation or lawsuit or something. And, um, he's just, he said, you know, I'm really glad you went through it early because now you're better prepared for the potentiality of it coming down the pipe again. Um, and I'm really grateful for that advice. You know, I think you, you echoed a lot of that to me too, you know, um, in my trials and tribulations as a martial artist, you know, um, getting injured and, and almost dying from some of those injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you've really helped me to uh, find that inner strength to turn it around into something positive. That, uh, that accusation thing is a soft button. I think this is something that a lot of men have to go through. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that's, that's not even investigated. So there's not even any investigation into it. And, and it's just dropped the instant that somebody disagrees with it. It's just dropped. Um, or they find out, in a lot of cases, I asked a friend of mine that's a, that's a local cop, I said, how many times is rape allegations put out that are not true, that you find out pretty quick that they're not true? And he says that he's, he's running into sometimes three a day. Wow. And uh, a lot of times it's just women that are having an affair on their husband and they kind of get caught and they're looking for a way out. And that seems to be... Uh, um, uh, an immediate way, the only thing they can think of. Sure. 
you know what I mean? It's, and, it's an immediate way to gain power right. over somebody. That, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, yeah, you know, I I see this, you know, I hear this from a lot of my guy friends, you know, how, you know, I'm, I'm engaged now, so I'm kind of out of the game, but um, a lot of my guy friends will say, you know, I'm scared to ask a girl out, or I'm scared to take a girl home after we had a good date because I'm afraid she's going to accuse me the next morning of forcing myself upon her. Um, you know, so it is an issue that a lot of guys have to deal with today. Um, just the possibility of false accusations. And I've heard some, some suggestions that maybe, you know, we should, we should have, um, consent forms there, that are signed. No, I don't know this for sure, but I've been told by people that are in college that there, those do exist. Yeah. You know, some campuses oh, yeah. are requiring you to have, um, a consent form. Sure. Sign because a lot of these, a lot of young girls, and I, and I don't want to take away the seriousness of rape. Absolutely. Like, not. like if you're, if you're, you're grabbed, you're dragged into an alley, and something horrible goes down. Uh, my, my empathy for the person that does this is very, very small. Um, but a lot of what I think is happening is these very young, unsexually seasoned girls are getting together with unsexually seasoned boys. And they're mixing it with alcohol and possibly drugs, having um, sexual relations, and then getting just an earful, not of only their friends, but of the campus and the rape culture. And, the, um, and I, I see rape culture almost as like, no, we need to accuse somebody of rape. Somebody has to be accused of rape here. Yeah. And they're, they're hunting for this. And you get this number four out of five men or women have been raped by men. And that's a... That's a crazy high number. Sure. Because I don't know any rapists. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done any raping. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where are all these rapers? Is it the same guy or what's going on? And then campus security fills us in that, well, a lot of it is these girls and these boys are just like, they're insecure about what they're doing. And then a month later, she chimes up and she goes, she changed her mind. Sure. Or their friends convince them to make a report. Right. You know. And I've seen that happen recently with yeah. two young girls. The girl did several acts and then all of a sudden she's like, I think I might've been raped. Mm-hmm. You know, three independent acts, mm-hmm. close back on, close back off, close back on, close back off. And, uh, you know, my thought is that's, that's not what a rape is. Now you might not be comfortable with your decision, but shit, I've done that. Right. And I could, if I could erase a few memories, I would. Right. Um, so in any case, uh, the voyeurism thing that we're running into is that there's so much stacked against and institutionally against the male right now that I think we're having a hard time being male and not getting ostracized by the rest of the community. And I think, so there is some research and maybe you could take a look at this kind um, testosterone levels in men from the 1980s until now from what I did research on, shows that it has dropped up to 30%. I'm a victim of that. Are you? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Oh, just, uh, I was born in the, in the early 80s. Um, but for my, you know, I got my levels checked out or whatever uh, yeah. with some blood work. And for my age group, uh, I'm far below average um, for testosterone, which is strange to me because I do a lot of what I consider manly shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm in martial arts all the time. You know, I eat real clean. Um, How's your energy? Um, you know, energy could be better, you know, for my age, uh, recovery could be better. And yeah. so I've tried to seek out, um, hormone replacement therapies and, Have you tried it? 
Uh, I haven't tried it. Um, I can't find a doctor who will take uh, my insurance for that. Uh Um, So it's all private, out of pocket, and I can't afford that. But but yeah, I'm a victim of that myself. Um, And, you know, who knows if it was the way I was raised. Yeah, I don't know. I was raised by a single mom, um, so I'm very aware, very conscious of of feminine issues and, um, um, you know, how to treat women right and how to keep it respectful, but... You know, did that have an influence on my hormonal levels? I don't know. I don't know. Environment's important in that. Could be. Um, But it's interesting that it's across the board in the research that I had saw. And uh, a friend of mine had told me that there is a a double paradigm in men taking place between the lowest testosterone level in several decades to the highest. So as, as much as we as a community kind of bash on millennials as being soft, they do have a soft edge. I mean, there's some of their people are the softest things I've ever seen, but their soldier class is the hardest I've ever seen. Mm. Um, the, uh, so there's a greater disparity between the, the extremes. There is. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're looking at the, like the highest testosterone level ever seen <laughs> to mm-hmm. the lowest testosterone level ever seen. And where part of their, and I, I've even seen it in Gen Xers. Like, there's not a big difference between a man and a woman anymore. Physically, uh, men are developing women's hips. Sure, they're doing women's things, uh, and they're creating, uh, kind of creating this new evolution of, of. Uh, wow. Okay, so Kaiden did this look up for me. So from the 1980, men testosterone has dropped one percent per year, and. Um, what is this? Nine hundred nine sixty, nine hundred and sixty. Oh, sixty-year-old men. Sorry, current has 17% less testosterone than a sixty-year-old man in the eighties. That's incredible. Yeah, I think a lot of that probably has to do with um, nutrition these days too. Um, nutrition and um, medications that are being prescribed, um, overprescribed. As well as, you know, the cultural shift to, you know, people pushing for, um, like you said, more more feminist rights. And I'm, I'm the first one to stand up and, and fight for that as well. You know, I, I believe that everyone should have the freedoms that we should be afforded here in the country and that nobody should have glass ceilings and be held back because of their gender. Um, but with all this cultural shift, we see like a nerfing of our, our culture. You know, everything has soft edges now. What, what are you... What you just said is kind of interesting to me. Nobody should be held back because of their gender. Yeah. And so we're actually doing that, though. Right. Right? Yeah. We're like, oh, you're a guy. Right. And so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? You're a man. You can't even be in here. Yeah, and a part of me thinks, you know, well, do we deserve that? Right? I don't know. What <laughs> because is, as men, we... Do you deserve that? You have to ask that question. I don't no. think you do. No, me personally, I don't. Right, I, I don't was, deserve it. I was not a part of, uh, you know, putting down women and oppressing women. But, you know, as men, as, as a gender for thousands of years, we've... Can we be held responsible? Are we going to take no. after... Look at Dr. No, Dr. King, what Martin Luther King right. had said. You know, is we get to judge on the character of the right. individual. Absolutely. I'm an absolute hardcore guy on this. I, I think that was something that was almost a unique statement. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think that is something that mm-hmm. was really ever said before him. Um, men, I've met some men that believe that women have their place. And I think there is definitely a difference 
the way Amy Walker puts it, men and women are equal, but not the same. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of Bill Burr's jokes on feminism kind of address this. And uh, where are all the feminists in a house fire? I don't know. Right? <laughs> We've got to get the women. We've got to get the children. Yeah. and we got to get them out of here. we got to get them out. And then we're wondering, what about me? I'm standing there on fires. And please mm-hmm. take your time. Be careful. You know, walking out. Right. My back's on fire. Acting like I'm not right. flammable. And there's, there's nobody jumping in. Right. Isn't and, my life as valuable right. as yours? Right. And then there's no examination to this at all. Mm-hmm. There can be no examination. And that's, that's the trend. So this goes to conformity issue. Since I don't think, for me, that there is any way for us to change this. There's no way for you and I to get out and just say, okay, we're all not going to think this anymore. Yeah. So we're going to have to conform a little bit to that ideology because if you say anything against it, like women can't lift this much, watch this destroy my career, um, that could be the end of you. If, you. if you come out and say women don't lift as much. Right. Right. Um, we're not the same. Yeah, there's somebody, somebody's going to get wound up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had this happen years and years ago. I've been watching this come for a very long time. Um, Kristen Dryden, she asked me from a high school project a long time ago. She goes, who makes better jet fighter pilots, men or women? And I said, men. And she got mad. And she goes, why? I said, well, because that's all I know about. I have, I have no evidence um, I have no anecdotal evidence saying that women are better pilots than men. Right. And she goes, fine. Who makes better truckers, men or women? And I said, well, men. She goes, well, why? I said, because the tires are heavy. When you're, when you're changing the tires, they're super hard to lift. And my belief is that when a woman does the same job as a man, she's working two-thirds harder for the same product delivery. Right, depending on the task. Right. So if we're if we're picking up logs, yes. And all logs weigh two hundred pounds. Yes. Right. You and I are going to experience something significantly different than let's say your your fiance. Right. Right? Because it's that's a that it is still two hundred pounds on the measuring scale, but it is definitely two thirds heavier pound for pound of muscle mass right. for her. Right. She if she if she equals us and she has definitely kicked her ass because she has definitely done two-thirds more yeah. at that point. And so I think all of this stuff in, can be taken into consideration. I think a man that can multitask with a woman needs some significant kudos because I can't. Multitask? Anything. Like yeah. they have so much more brain connectivity from sure. side to side that sure. you'd be able to track multiple different things. And like I don't even realize that my water bills do until it gets shut off sometimes. And So... Uh, I've got something I'm reading here. It's funny you mentioned that, though, because um, for our wedding coming up, uh, I've done 90% of the planning for it. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> yeah, which is not <laughs> traditionally the, the male's role. But um, but why not? Exactly. Yeah. Why not? I, right. I've had a blast doing it, you know, and um, luckily I have a, a super cool fiance. I'm just like, hey, let's do this idea. You know, it's totally um a man's idea and she's like yeah that sounds awesome you know so you know we, we were talking about that she and i the other day because my brother said um you know i said well what do you do on your days off you just you know clean the house with your wife or whatever and he says i don't clean the house you know and and 
my fiance and I look at each other because I I do clean the house. You know, mm-hmm. I help with those with those chores. Um, why not? You know, it's not a female's job to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a family's job to do that together. Sure. Um, it's just funny that we we saw that that disparity um, with, between myself and my brother, um, and I'm seeing that now in in the wedding planning too. You know, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Good. I'm going to be there for that. Yeah, you're my officiant. It's yeah. going to be great. Yeah, we're going to do some Viking stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a Viking Buddhist jujitsu wedding. Yeah, who else can do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to live outside the norms. Right, that is pretty abnormal. Um, so Kaiden sent me over this and says that, uh, and this I'm assuming is pertaining to the low testosterone level, that young men are far less likely to be in a manual labor position, so they don't have to be as physically strong as previous generations. Because of technology, maybe in right make it making everything automatic in factories you know i can't wait for the earth to just collapse oh man it's gonna put on your sunglasses it's gonna be a hell of a show yeah this is i can't wait i i see this dude so as a viking type of guy i love this is gonna really anger women i love to look at women doesn't mean I objectify them. I think that's something that women need to get past. It doesn't mean you're objectified. Mm-hmm. You're appreciated. I appreciate you. I wouldn't touch you against your will or make you do anything. Or I just like the way some women look. Sure, it's beautiful. It's yeah, a piece of artwork. Totally, just amazing. And so I pull up next to these cars. This hot woman. I get close. And I'm like, Man, that's some soft hands, dainty little wrists. A little higher, a little higher. Pull the truck a little forward, kind of like a creeper. It's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't happen just every now and then. It's like every morning. Yeah. And so I've stopped looking because, uh, like, oh, my God, it's literally a guy. Yeah. And so I've got this this old school view, and I never thought from a uh, – because when we were kids and our parents weren't around, we would dress in 80s rocker-style clothing, which essentially was – transsexual almost in in yeah, nature in blouses yeah. and modern know, day times it would be that it would really be that and we had on eye makeup and long hair and like Hot pink oh yeah like crazy feminine and uh and so now i can make the jokes like well back in my day we dressed like women you know and it's mm. and we did but we would fight you mm. these weren't passive people mm-hmm. they would still fight you but it's what it took to get female attention at the time uh-huh it's like peacocking. Peacocking. Yeah, and that changes. With it does. Time. It really does. Um, so I go into a clothing store. Like one of the things that I like to do is I like to go into a clothing store with, like, let's say, a girlfriend. Um, if I have the money to do it, and I like to have them catered to by a woman that works in the clothing store that brings her clothes and has her try them on this is this is a highly rewarding situation for me mm-hmm. to be able to have the um disposable wealth to just take a couple of hours and just have her just like showered with attention absolutely okay and then we walk into a store and like a guy walks up to us like how can I help you? I'm like, you can't. Mm-hmm. What are you doing here? 
Like, there, isn't there some 16-year-old girl out there that needs a job because you're not in front of the fucking wheelbarrow that you're supposed to be in front of? Yeah. I have a hard time wrapping my head. And so this comes back to women's rights a little bit. And so maybe I have this fifth-wheel view on this. But, like, well, what is it? Why can't a man do a woman's job? Well, well, he can. So I guess he can. But women have had such a hard time in the past finding that. Right. Isn't that, that stable, taking that away Yeah, it's taking them? it away. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not into that. And... If a woman wants to run a wheelbarrow, fine. If she can do or it, special do it. forces, yeah, let her do it. If whatever. she can do the standards, yeah, I don't care. Like I can't do the standards, so yeah, somebody <laughs> needs to. And but we have a guy now in a clothing store, in a women's clothing store, handing out clothes, and and I have a hard time wrapping my head around that because I really believe it's taking a job away from a girl that would have an interest. In women's clothing, right? Which and it's makes not sense like it's not like she's able to switch roles either uh-uh. and do the jobs that he could do, right? Um, you know, wish it was that easy, but it's not. It's right. literally taking things away. Not all women are like two hundred pound muscle bound women. Right. You got some girls out there that are one hundred and fifteen pounds. How are they going to move a three hundred pound wheelbarrow? Yeah, practice. Oh my god, it'd be <laughs> so brutal, right? Because they'd break down. Yeah, their their joints. I mean, we're all we're all running cartilage. Yeah, you can only take so many impacts. So these old views, I'm surprised. Um, I, I try to really find ways to balance them out with this whole Viking mentality because part of what I kind of wanted to grab at was how do we take the warrior mentality from what it was from back when samurais cut off people's heads to see how sharp the swords were to when Genghis Khan would line up a bunch of giggling women and kill them all to uh, make sure that everybody knew that he was the boss to the time that the Vikings were raiding Irish monasteries at like 3 a.m. because that's when they arrived on the beach and uh, hitting all these soft targets that are romanticized now to what does is, what is that play in today's role with in the topic of today would be your psychology? Yeah. Um, well, Since me, we're, we're talking sure. about an issue of... Obviously, you're not a Viking man if you're working in a woman's clothing store. Sure. Sorry. Sure. So, I mean, you you bring, I mean, you brought forth a few examples of stereotypical warrior activity, right? Raiding, pillaging, mm-hmm. taking things over, uh, chopping people's heads off. But as a psychology, someone who's into um, the mind, um, you know, I, I like to take it a little deeper and look into. You know, those ancient cultures had a lot to offer to today still, and you know, the samurai were family men, you know, they would go home and they would love their, their wife and children. Vikings were very much family oriented. They would protect their women and treat them as equals um, right next to them. Also, you know, the, the women would fight right next to them. Um, so there are aspects of these ancient warrior cultures that I think get missed when, when people talk about um, being a warrior and, you know, they think of the physicality and, and the battles. But what does it mean to be a warrior outside of the battle? What does it mean to be a warrior off the battlefield? Um, that's where I really feel like, um, you know, I can bring my skill set to the table and and help people realize that being a warrior doesn't mean you have to go out and fight people. You know, it means that you treat people with respect. It means that you live by a code of honor. It means that you are loyal to your woman. That you would die for your woman. It means that you would die for your family. You know, and all these other 
aspects that go into being a warrior off off of the battlefield. I think that is really where we can evolve as people if we can embrace those aspects of ancient warrior culture and integrate them. Obviously, we want to move towards a more peaceful, less violent society, uh, world culture in general. So some of those ancient warrior aspects of battle are still important in today's modern world because there's still a lot of crappy stuff going on, but we can move towards needing that part less and emphasizing more, uh, you know, how do we live as good people? Maybe as... convert that violence portion to ritualism. Right. Or even spiritual warriorism. Mm -hmm. You know, how does someone become a spiritual warrior? I don't know how. Yeah, right? Right. So I, uh, with the Vikingism and the modern warriorism, I, I really believe in the branch that I am pushing for the creation of that because you'll have people come in and they'll say all those things, but they'll leave out the physical warriorism portion. Right. Right. So it's still a crucial component. It, it's crucial. Yeah. So we're not we're not Vikings anymore. We're something else if we if we remove that. So I don't think that it needs to be violence in the term of hosting a victim, but I believe that men should be dangerous, and then choose to not use it. it yeah, absolutely. That's what. That's what really makes you uh, a warrior. It right. makes you more than a man. It makes you a warrior if you have that self-restraint. I don't believe that you can say, not you, but I don't believe that somebody can say, I'm a pacifist. If all they are is passive. Hmm. If they don't have skill, if they're not dangerous, you're not really, you're not doing something amazing by controlling yourself if you're incapable of causing damage. That's a good point. Right. Um, you're, you're something else. I really believe that only the warrior chooses passivity. Everybody else is subject to it. Mm -hmm. And or accepts it. They have to. Yeah. yeah. Um, if if violence comes to call and you're passive all the time, and you come across the person like me or like you that is evil, what are you gonna do? It's too late to learn now. Like, we can't yeah. even get in a boxing match with somebody that knows how to box. And then I've never boxed in my life and I'm going to get out and box and I'm going to learn how to box while fighting somebody that's super good at boxing. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly never going to work. So um, the same thing comes to play. And I think that people, at the same time that they're screaming that the world is super dangerous and we got to go out and stop the Nazis that are no longer here, that we need... We need to make the world more peaceful, but all the charts say that the world is more peaceful now than it's ever, ever been. been. Yeah. It's safer now. It's safer now than it was in 1986. So you you see that new series, Cobra Kai? I haven't seen it yet. I, I want to so bad, but I... I binge-watched it because it yeah. was just so good. Um, so good job to Cobra Kai crew. We had one of them actually jump on my Instagram the other day and talk to me, um, nice. one of the cast members, and that was pretty cool. So I'm a big Johnny guy. I'm not a big Ralph Macchio guy. I think uh, I can relate a little bit to Ralph Macchio of getting picked on, but I think Ralph Macchio in this, when you when it really gets broke down, was the one... He was the bully, right? Yeah, he was kind of causing his own stuff. You know, like, you putting a water hose on you're somebody, right. you're, you're going to get your ass kicked. Sure. Especially in 1986. This is going down. So, the uh, the attitude that Johnny has in the dojo 
with his 1980s attitude, which is really, really rough comparison to the new attitude. Now, you can see in the show that he needs to soften his glance a little bit because we, we could approach... Um, I, I'm pretty hard on this yet. Uh, I, it became a thing in the 80s where they're saying it's okay to be fat. It's, it's okay. It's, fat is beautiful. And I'm going to disagree with that pretty hardcore. I don't think it's beautiful. Um, I don't think it's not okay to be fat. I think it's a personal decision, but it's not one that I have to put value in. Yeah. And if I have to live my life known as a no-neck idiot jock, you have to live your life known as an obese person. Mm-hmm. And if I get no respect for being a no-neck idiot jock, you get no respect for not taking care of your body. And this is just my personal perspective, and I think that's okay as long as I don't cause harm to this person. Right. I'm not going to... I'm not going to chase him down today. Now, back in the old days, I probably would have chased him down and let him know for sure he's a fat person and uh, made him feel bad. But that was kind of the culture of the time. Today, I won't do that. Why? Um, I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I, don't think the, I don't think the additional pain right. is the necessary. Part. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not necessary. I'm also going to be super honest if he walks into my gym. I'm going to be a fighter. You've got to lose that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's senses of reality that you can bypass if you're just passive all the time. If you never go jogging, if you never sprint, if you never go kayaking, you don't realize that you wouldn't fit into the kayak or something. So you, can, you could live your life in this very contained bubble. And um, there was a girl in school that said she was happy and she was very, very obese. And I pointed out as mean as possible in those days back in high school that um, you, you can't even ride a bike. You don't, you've never had a boyfriend. You've never been on a date. You're isolated from society. You, we can't put three people in the back of the car anymore. If you're in it, we can only put you and one other person. So one other person has to be left out in order to bring you with. And, and she must have had a really lonely childhood yeah based on this and instead of giving her more pain people began the process of saying listen it's okay just continue your lifestyle and now she's still she's crazy unhealthy now right they said it's okay to to yeah to do that instead of saying hey you haven't you have a way out of this you can change this if you want to right it's okay if you don't want to but let's encourage you to to change that behavior if you want to, and right? Here's some here's some strategy, right? right? And just along with that fat, the the mental approach of um, of how I dealt with it had to change too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay to have your opinion, but it probably isn't okay to go out of your way to make people not want to be alive anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. None of that is none of that's re- none of that's called for anymore. So, um, the modern warriorism in this, I think, is a lot of it's going to be an internal battle that is just not really processed to main society, especially in our culture. In our culture, I think with that rolling blackout metaphor that I just used, I believe that people have this rolling blackout of responsibility. Like we have these problems, but let's just roll this blackout amongst the internet that it's not your fault. And so nobody takes a deeper look on the inside to figure out why anything's happening. Yeah. And let's blame somebody else. Let's blame somebody from a different time. A different place, a thousand years ago, hundred years ago, whatever. Um, different than me. Right. Let's not upset anybody. 
except for one group of people. But let's not exclude anybody. Mm -hmm. So these are these are at odds, and they can't work in money. Think of this: if you want to become wealthy, and you think money is hard to get, that's going to be a problem. If you want to become wealthy and you hate money, that's going to be a problem. If you want to invest wisely and you don't trust banks, that's going to be a problem. So conflicting beliefs is what I see going on in the American culture today. And this is where American Vikingism becomes really important in me in understanding my self-internal talk, my psychological internal talk. How do I talk to myself? What do they say in transactional analysis? You have A1, adult one, A2, angry adult, C1, C2, um, angry child, open child. Um, P1, P2, uh, how I expect to be treated by you, how I expect me to treat you. And then an LP, which is the little professor or the orchestrator. And my P1, how I expect to treat myself, it can get carried away, right? Because I start talking about myself, you're a piece of shit, you're no right. good. You're... That's the internal battle. Yeah, the hardcore internal battle. 90% of life. Two dogs, right? Who's, who's winning? Good dog, bad dog. Yeah. They're tearing each other apart. Right. And so a lot of this Viking stuff that I'm talking about really comes from some of this American Indian mm -hmm. mental ideology. Like, I'm not a psychologist, but I have to figure out how do I manage this system that I have to live in? Mm -hmm. And that gets me into the uh, filicidin and things like that. And that's what you're saying that you, you kind of help with a little bit and you have a clearer understanding than maybe than most people do on how that could help people maybe. The way I see filicidin, it kind of just... Psilocybin. It, it, kill, it clears out your personal bullshit mm. in my experience. Like I'm not able to talk mm -hmm. myself into it's somebody else's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what he's referring to, for, for those of you listeners who don't know, uh, psilocybin is the technical name for magic mushrooms, um, which, by the way, if you're listening in Colorado, is hopefully going to be on the ballot uh, coming up soon for uh, full legalization so that we can start using it as a medicine. Um, but, yeah, just so everyone knows, you know, these these medicines and they, that's what they are. They're ancient medicines that have been used for thousands of years. Help people open up um, and access parts of themselves that they numb out to or they um, they force down. So it allows for a lot more opening and healing, um, and that's shown on MRIs and and um, brain scans. Uh, it's been proven. So a lot of good stuff in that area, and we can talk about that more in future podcasts. We have to do that. So right now we're running a little bit out of time. I think we have an hour that we can do this. And so we'll have to uh, hit part two of this one, touching on the Bora of Holland, um, infringing upon African rights, to uh, what it means to be fat shamed and what it means to be a man in America, to use of uh, psilocybin in uh, taking care of mental issues, to learn how to better cope with your own algorithms and your own bandwidth of handling the rolling outages of culture inside of the American people. VIV, Viking and Valhalla.